The Biscuit is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. I grew up on photo albums, and photo albums have been passed down decades, decades, decades. I got photographs of my family from the 30s. And so this is a way to just keep that going, keep that uh, pattern and keep that, that traditional practice going. Hello, Biscuit listeners, and welcome to another freshly baked edition of the Biscuit Podcast, celebrating Charlotte's creativity every week. I'm your host, Andy Goh. One month ago, we introduced you to Shan Wallace on this podcast, a Baltimore-based photographer spending time in Charlotte on a residency project organized by the Rollup CLT. We joined Shan on a photo shoot she did with middle school students. She talked about her goals for her time in Charlotte, including creating a collection of portraits featuring residents of Charlotte's mostly African-American West Side. In today's episode of the Biscuit Podcast, we take you to Beatty's Ford Library, where Shan is hosting a free portrait session, something she'll do each last Monday of the month until October. The photo shoots, which are open to anyone from the community, are meant to give access to a type of photo of themselves that many residents wouldn't have otherwise. We'll talk with Shan about why portraiture is so important to her, and we'll also hear a story about two young men Shan was able to reach with her work. Let's take a listen. So for the rest of this portrait project, um, I'll be taking portraits at Beatty's Fort Library the last Monday of the month, and everyone will will be receiving copies, which of course to me, that's one of the most important aspects of it, having copies to pass down, to start your own archive or to build on your own archive, but just to have photographs that are of quality. We got it. Got it. Okay. Right, right. All right, let's see. Hold on. You look great, man. All right, one, two, three. So today is the second portrait session at Beatty's Fort Library where I come, I set up. Um, Terry assists me. Today, Jessica is here. Um, Brianna usually assists me too. Um, and we come together and we accommodate the people who come here. We talk to them, we make them feel comfortable, we give them water, we give them offerings like um, postcards or photographs. Um, but we truly try to turn it into a, a family reunion of a sense. Um, and so I bring my equipment and I set up and I take portraits of people, family portraits, single individual portraits and everyone gets a copy which is really really phenomenal and so it feels really great to see a lot of new faces and some familiar faces of people who've come to the lecture but also people who've come and had their photograph taken too um, and so it's like a, a family affair here it's a really it's really beautiful and really touching and I feel this like really loving uh, energy going on in here <laughs> there it is. I got it. I got it. I got it. All right, all right. You ain't got to spot no more, bro. 
So there's this photograph that James Van Der Zee took in 1923 called Wedding Party. And it's a portrait, of course. And so in this portrait, six people in total, three black women, one black girl, two black men. In this photograph, I'm assuming that this black woman and this black man serve as the um, bride and the groom. And what I love about this photograph and what's so telling to me of course, is what they have on and how they're positioned, their body language. But I, I look beyond just the surface parts and I really try to investigate why they aren't smiling. And I certainly can come up with many reasons why these black people aren't necessarily smiling in the 1920s. But outside of their facial expressions kind of being the same, there's one woman who has a small smirk um, but everyone else has a very serious face. But in this photograph, I still feel the love. I still feel and see survival. I still feel and see family and unity and this togetherness. Um, and that's just one of the things that I love about portraiture. You have to rely so much on the process between the sitter or the sitters and the photographer and so much of that process will determine the result. So much of the time period can determine the result. And so much of the body language and how people, facial expressions look, communicates to us who they are. And so portraiture is this very beautiful genre of photography that relies on so much of the sitter and the photographer. And that's a responsibility that I love. It's so different than candid shots. It's so different than photojournalism. Portraiture is very still. And so within the last year and a half, I've been getting really serious about portraiture and studio portraits and using technical lighting and using backdrops because I wanna embark on this beautiful genre of photography so much more. See, he's cool. He, he, he's cool. Jeez. We got it. <laughs> got it. Okay. Right, right. All right, let's see. Hold on. You look great, man. Oh, uh, we was in the library. We do this with the family. Try to go to the library, like, about like four times out of a month. And we was here, and they were doing photos. And the librarian came to us like, y'all like to take some photos. And so we came through, but it, I think it was like, y'all about to leave or something like that. So they wrote us an email. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> How old are the girls? She's three and she's six, uh, six months. Oh, and what's her names? Dierka and Zola. Summers, like the season. Zola. I actually came the last time she was here, and it was a little too late for her to take my picture. So they said, come back. So we came back. Look at, if you want a postcard, too, you can have it as well. These two brothers came to the portrait session at Beatty's Ford. One of the brothers came to the lecture. And so I was hoping to see him again, and I was hoping that he returned to have his photograph taken. So he returned with his brother. Uh, Joseph. Ila. 
And they're in their at least early 20s. And they were just so close. I mean, they had um, philosophies and symbols and beliefs that they shared and that they built on. They shared it with me. Um, They had this symbol that they would throw up that they live by that I thought was really beautiful because it truly is a symbol of unity between the two, which is beautiful. I mean, honestly. I was here uh, the month before she came. The first, I was here the first time she came, when she was showing her pictures. And he was outside, and I was like, you know, you should come in and participate. But he was like, nah, because he was on the phone. So second month came, he was like, oh, when, when she was first taking pictures, he was like, oh, because like, he likes photography too. Mm-hmm. So he, he caught interest, and I mean, it just took off from there. Yeah. 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 These two just really affirmed to me how important seeing yourself is, how important it is to be included. Um, and so I'm taking their photograph and we're talking and they're asking me a lot of questions about places I've been and I'm asking them about what they want to do and I'm also encouraging them to do the things that they want to do. And I believe that they heard me and I certainly heard them and I saw them. And so I t- took the photograph, I'm taking their photographs and I'm giving them direction and they're taking direction really well. And so towards the end, I say, hey, you want to see the photographs? And they say, yeah. And so I showed them the photographs, and the younger brother no just started words. to cry. Last time I took my I cried when she took mine and his. And I seen it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Like, And I started to cry. And that moment was so special for me for many reasons. One, his response to seeing his photograph was so full of passion and full of love. And that was a really tender moment. And I also love that his brother allowed him to cry and allowed him to be tender and allowed him to express himself. He was happy. He felt included. I know what that feeling look, look I know what that feeling looks like. And I've also had people um, share that same sentiment as him. And so it was really, really, really probably my most beautiful moment there, being able to cry with this young guy and tell him that I see him. Different from ordinary pictures. Like, everybody else take a picture, and you be like, oh, yeah, it's, it's cool, it's a picture. But when she take a picture, you can feel why she took the picture. You can, like, it's like definition on the actual picture. It's like she gets very personal with the picture. It's not just a picture when she take it. It's not. It's like another world was released, you know what I'm saying? To people who actually knows, that's who actually get it, so. And then he also gets copies of the images too. And so that's the part that really puts the icing on the cake because not only do I cherish these and I keep these, but you also get to have ownership over it too. And I love the photographs that we were able to take together, but that moment of him just getting emotional and feeling empowered and feeling this beautiful sense of black pride, those are the moments that I live for. Those are the spiritual rewards that I get. Those are the moments that I ask for. You know, I I always want people to feel dignified and I want people to feel proud to be who they are regardless of what you've been through 
regardless of what your bank account says, regardless of trials and tribulations. I want you to be so proud to be you. And I also want you to be really proud to be black. And I felt like that the goals that I wanted to meet were overachieved. And this was a moment that I needed probably just as much as him. And those moments keep me going. Those moments remind me and affirm me that I am doing what I should be doing, or I'm at least on the track of doing something greater than what I could even dream of or expect. We'll check back in at Beatty's Ford Road Library in just a moment. But first, a word from Nikki Eason. If it was easy, everybody would do it. If it was easy, everybody would do it. See, you have to understand that you are you and you have to know that you're doing it because you're the one that's supposed to do it. It takes a special person to actually be a CEO and some people to be an employee. It's not easy. You have to understand that being a creative or being a mogul is not easy. You're going to go through the struggle. You're going to go through the pain, the trials, the tribulations, but that's what it was supposed to do. That's the reason why everybody's not doing it. This is for you. If it was easy, everybody would do it. You've been given this life because you are strong enough to live it. If you choose to be the CEO or the boss or the mogul, you better get ready for the pain and the struggle. You better get ready for the disappointments, the sorrow, the people talking about you, the people hating on you, all of that. But if it was easy, everybody would do it. It's the reason why everybody's not doing what you're doing because somebody can't do it. Those people are actually in that moment of just sitting into the nine to five because that's what easy for them. That's more easy for them. People that step out and actually do some hard things are the special types of people, special types of people because they are the ones that's actually going to change the world. If it was easy, everybody would do it. You got to know that where you are is the moment that you're supposed to be in. But it's okay if you struggle a little bit. It's okay if it gets hard because it's preparing you for that moment to whom much is given, much is required. You got to understand that where you're going means that you're going to go through some things and maybe you're going to have to reach back and teach somebody else to do the same thing, but you're the one to go through it first. That's the reason why you're going through the things. That's the reason why it hurts. That's the reason why it's happening to you the way it's happening to you. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Love. Back at Beatty's Ford Road Library, we spoke with Bryce Lager, owner of Bazal Coffee. You know, there, I think there are certain topics that remain very important for certain men and women to, uh, to speak upon. And, and you know, I, I can give you a, a bit of an example. Like, you know, for, for me as, a, as an Afro-Chicano male, um, it may not be appropriate for me to speak on, you know, the uh, LGBT plus uh, community that we have on the West Side. You know, there there might be better people who need to speak on certain topics, um, and I think that's okay. Uh, and I think that's where that conversation of allyship and you know, support kind of come from. But I think it's difficult for certain folks to realize that you can be supportive from a distance and empower people to speak on certain topics that you know that they are equipped to speak upon. 
Um, and so it's, this is contextual, and I think context provides truth and an opportunity for people to see power. And I think the more power we see in areas of whatever city you're in, you know, that's, I mean, good Lord. I mean, that, that, that's, that's economically viable. That's mentally viable. It's spiritual if you want to take it there, you know? So, I mean, this is, it's good. It's good humanity. It's good business. It's good, it's good scale. It's good margin. It's good. I mean, this is, without this, I think we're a little blind. It makes us vulnerable. So, yeah, it's love. So Shane, these photos are free for the yeah, community, right? Yeah, these photos are 100% free. It's quality cardstock prints, eight and a half by 11, and I put them in a, a clear uh, like photo bag just to make it a little fancy, make it extra special. I sign them and it belongs to us. And so I, I really think it's important for people to have uh, photographs of themselves. And so it's really a pleasure to come here and take photographs. Thinking about 2019, everything is on the phones, everything is on the computers. And this is a way to kind of just preserve that, um, that practice of having physical copies and storing them and putting them in your lockbox or your diary, giving them to your kids, showing them to people, framing them in your home. Um, and also thinking about the process of photographers. It's such a, like a, it's like most sitters or subjects or people don't usually get copies of photographs of themselves. And so for me, it's more about a collaboration. It's about, cause I'm honored to take someone's photograph and I wanna, you know, pay that forward and say, hey, I wanna give you a copy as well because this is a collaboration. And also, I just believe that much in the value of archiving and having actual tangible images. Um, I grew up on photo albums, and photo albums have been passed down decades, decades, decades. I got photographs of my family from the 30s. And so this is a way to just keep that going, keep that uh, pattern, and keep that, that traditional practice going. And so it's really cool to be able to take people's portraits. And, and also, I, I, portraiture is a, well, using equipment and setting up a backdrop and staging things is a very new practice for me. Um, a lot of my work happens in the moment, so I don't get a lot of second chances. So it feels good to have second chances and third chances. But also, I've been studying portraiture and so much of portraiture is a negotiation between the sitter and the photographer. and so much of that, the result, the image is uh, based on that process. And so that's what I'm really invested in, just really getting to know people and that process part. The image is like the part that we know is gonna come, but the process certainly determines how the image is gonna look and that person's interaction, how they're gonna feel about the image. And I, for the most part, I feel like people have been really prideful to come here and then pick up their images and see them and share them. And again, I mean, thinking about the neighborhood that we're in, thinking about accessibility, not everybody has a smartphone. People who've come in here hasn't even had their photograph taken professionally. And so it's a way to just incorporate new experiences so you can just pass that down and just, you know, uh, just be a little happier and feel a little bit more seen. That's what it's about for me. I think everybody needs at least one good picture in their life. <laughs> I also have an 18-year-old daughter, and when I had her, uh, she was she was Zola-sized. I blinked, and she on her way to college now. So you're right. It lasts, but it goes by fast.
very fast. All right, so uh, can we take a family portrait and uh, let me oh, having a couple of times. Oh, okay. Thanks again to Shan Wallace, Bryce Lager, and Nikki Eason for speaking with us, and thank you, the listener, for tuning into the Biscuit Podcast. That's all the time we have for today's episode of The Biscuit. Remember to subscribe to The Biscuit Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review so that other creative charlatans can hear about us, or better yet, just tell them yourselves. Finally, get the scoop on Charlotte's creative scene delivered straight to your inbox every Thursday by subscribing to The Biscuit email newsletter. Do that now at BiscuitCLT.com. The Biscuit Podcast is produced by Tim Miner, Matt Olin, and Andy Goh. Music by Harvey Cummings. <laughs>